Are you ready to have an open and honest discussion about sex and spiritual wellness without secrets, censorship, or barriers? This is Unbuckled with your host, Christy Ann Bella. In this program, there are no topics that are off the table, from religion to health, feelings to sexuality. Get ready to hear from some incredible people. And now, here's Christy Ann Bella. Hello and welcome. I am Christy Ann Bella, your intimacy architect. And today we are unbuckling the topics of spirituality, our sexuality, uh, just really how to embrace um, sexuality uh, with a Christian perspective, which I'm super excited about. We have the Christian sex educator, Carly Palmer Webb with us today. Welcome, Carly. Thank you so much, Christy. I'm happy to be here. So um, I started following you, I don't even know when on Instagram, but at some point um, in the last year and a half when I've spent probably more time on my phone than is necessary, (laughs) Um, but it's led me to wonderful discoveries and great information. Um, And I I just really appreciate it because we we do talk a lot on this show. um, I having come from a a Catholic background and, um, and other people who have had some challenges and some trauma as a result of religion, but wanting to maintain a spiritual relationship. And, um, I, you know, I think one of the intersections that gets overlooked often is our sexuality and our spirituality and how much Mm -hmm. they're intertwined. So I was really excited to see somebody with this beautiful, healthy, uh, take on Jesus and Christianity and sexuality and like, and just to really see it all coming together in this very compassionate way that just felt so accepting. Um, and so I just, you know, applaud you for what you're out there sharing and doing. And, um, and I love your stuff. And so, Thank yeah, you. I was like, man, this would be a great conversation because <laughs> I feel like we, I think now more than ever are seeing these great like divides and, and the us and the them, but it's like, actually, we probably have a lot more in common than we think because we're really all connected. And, um, and so, yeah, so just following your work, I was like, man, I think it's such a great way also to show like, hey, we need to bridge gaps. Like we're actually all talking a lot about the same things. We're just coming at it from a different way mm-hmm. and there's room for all of us. Um, so thank you for being here. Yes, I love that. I love that idea, Christy. And I'm so happy to be here because this is exactly the kind of thing that I want to be involved in. Awesome. So for you, um, your journey to your spirituality and your Christianity, how did that begin for you? So I grew up in a very religious home. So from my birth, teachings about Mm -hmm. Jesus and other Christian ideas and values were very prevalent for me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I started almost to transition into adulthood. So as I'm like 17, Mm -hmm. 18, and then leaving my family of origin. It wasn't until then that I really started to be exposed to other ideas and ways of thinking and different religions and ideas. And so it's been a, since then, it's been a fun journey to try and, and find things from other faiths that are really meaningful for me and Mm -hmm. try to approach spirituality from different angles and Christianity is still a very big part of my life, but I've been really grateful that my journey has been able to include other things as well. So yeah, the, the, the Christian part of my life was a huge, huge portion Mm -hmm. of my years growing up and is of course still very prevalent for me. And so I've never really known life without it. 
but introducing sexuality and and bringing that together with my spirituality mm-hmm. that was something that came much later because of course like you mentioned it's not often something that is brought together in religious homes or religious circles yeah and you know i i think there's there's a disservice there when we try to make it a secret when we try to make mm-hmm. it this this thing that's separate from us and that we don't talk about um, my personal opinion is a lot of like abuse comes out of this idea of secrecy and shame around sexual uh, sexuality mm-hmm. that distorts power. But then I think just, you know, how important knowledge and empowerment is, right? I feel like I'm I'm closer to God when I am the most open and informed, like you're saying, going out, discovering other faiths, other ideas, just being in that state of of curiosity that keeps you connected to that which we don't know you know and right. to to have that sense of of like miracles in all, in everything you're seeing mm-hmm. um and so i think yeah when we you know there's a great opportunity that i think people like you are are, are you know on the forefront of of like hey let's actually have this conversation about God and the beauty of creation in our lives and ourselves and our bodies. And that includes sex, which is the real whole reason why we're all here. Like none of us would be here without it. Right. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so yeah, for you, yeah. when was the, do you remember the first moment where it kind of clicked and was like, okay, these aren't two separate things. Cause it sounds like you were brought up, you know, in a fairly conservative, like, Hey, you're going to wait till marriage or like, you're Very not going to so. talk about. And then at somewhere along the way though, it clicked of like, actually these they're like peanut butter and jelly they need each other they they work better Mm -hmm. together yeah yeah I I'm sure there were a lot of moments that kind of led to that but there's one specific instance that I can remember that still I'm a little embarrassed to admit to because it seems so silly now but when I was just starting to date seriously in college um I found like all of these new feelings. I was experiencing yeah. more intense sexual arousal than I had ever ex- had ever experienced before. Yeah. And, you know, we all experience some of that, right. no matter what our um, sexual experiences mm-hmm. as we go through puberty and, you know, yeah. but, but as I started to date more seriously and this specific instance was like the first person that I had really dated seriously in my life. So, and I loved them so much and I was so excited about this relationship, but it was also bringing up all of this Mm -hmm. sexual arousal that was pretty new for me. And, and sexual exploration was not a part of my Mm -hmm. life because of my religious upbringing. I had never masturbated. I had never, you know, sought out pornography. So this was a really new experience for me. Mm -hmm. And I remember this moment when I was talking to one of my best girlfriends, she's still, (laughs) she's still one of my best friends. And we actually just talked about this the other day, but I was talking to her, we were driving in the car and I was like, so I think that I, I think that I'm a pretty sexual person. Like, I yeah. think that's a part of who I am. And she was very kindly yeah. like, well, yeah, Carly, no, duh. It's like that for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course there are different levels of desire, right. but everybody is a sexual being. Mm-hmm. It's just, of course, it's part of who you are. You just yeah. hadn't explored that part of yourself yet. So that conversation was kind of a tipping point for me where I started to really 
want to engage yeah. with um, different resources. I wanted to understand sexuality. I wanted to know this part of myself, even if yeah. I was deciding to wait to express it in its fullness until marriage. Mm-hmm. So that's the, I think that's the main moment in my life where it kind of clicked that this was a part of me and that it wasn't a bad part of me. Mm -hmm. It was an important part of who I was, regardless of my current Mm -hmm. sexual activity. I love that. I love that because yeah, you, um, you're actually a developmental, uh, psychologist, um, and a gender and sexuality researcher, right? So you've done the the science and the academic side mm-hmm. of this as well of your own personal journey and, mm-hmm. and understanding. Um, so I love that. I love when we we bring it all together. Yeah. So um, yeah, you know, I think that's an important piece you touch on the idea that this part of you isn't bad. What what do you have to say to people who are trying to reconcile that? Who are like, okay, I was. Just was kind of drilled into my head for so long that like this, you know, this makes me a bad person. How do you begin to have love and compassion for that? Just being a part of your, your natural, like we, we get hungry, we eat, we, you know, right. we do, these are like biological things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for those who are, who have grown up very religious and they're usually the ones of course, who believe that their sexuality is bad because mm-hmm there are some very negative messages that are prevalent in, in many religions, but specifically Mm -hmm. Christian circles. (laughs) And we have to recognize that the belief that sex and sexuality are evil actually Mm -hmm. goes against our doctrinal beliefs. If Mm -hmm. we are still, um, you know, holding on to the fundamental beliefs of Christianity. Yeah that God is our creator, that he made us, that he made our souls, that he made our bodies and that he wants us to have joy in this life. The idea that sexuality, that this part of us is evil Mm -hmm. just doesn't align with that because Mm -hmm. God doesn't create evil things. Evil things happen. And Mm -hmm for reasons that we may not understand, he Mm -hmm. allows those things to Mm -hmm. happen, but God doesn't create evil things. So our sexuality, if we are created in God's image, our sexuality can't be evil Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, Yeah, no. And (laughs) I recognizing that disparity is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I love that. Uh, You know, I, I definitely resonate with that a lot. Um, because I think, you know, it's, there's intricate things at play and, and some of my more challenging moments have been growth moments. So, you know, I don't think anything happens without being a part of something bigger than, mm-hmm. than me in that moment. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, we, joy is our birthright, you know, we, we're mm-hmm. like, you know, ideally created out of this spark, out of this moment of like two loving beings coming together and making something that's, you know, never been before. And right. Um, and, and so, yeah, so to just be in that place of like, you know, having joy around this, these sensations and, and pleasure and your body and, um, and getting to share and express that with somebody, um, I think, you know, that's where it serves us to actually bring in that spirituality and to bring in that sense of like wholeness and holiness and, and yes, definitely. uh, And I think that 
oftentimes people who are trying to align their lives with specific rules or values that exist in Christianity, like, for example, waiting until marriage to have sex, they they tend to see sexuality as very black and white. Like I cannot both embrace my sexuality and love this part of myself and not be sexually Mm -hmm. active. But Mm -hmm. those things are separate. You can learn about and love and cherish your sexuality and still not be sexually active right now, either because Mm -hmm. you're waiting for religious reasons or just because you're not currently in a relationship or you're trying to learn about yourself first. You know, there Mm -hmm. are several reasons why you might not be sexually active, but that doesn't mean that you can't be embracing and learning about your sexual self. Yes, I love that. Uh, Because yeah, I think, you know, like you said, you learn about yourself first. Uh, That is such a, a service I think that we give to you know, people we partner up with then is like, I, I have checked in with me. I know the things that I like, I understand my body and I want to like, you know, guide with you, like, you know, and, and vice versa. I want to like learn from you and share this. Um, so did you, how did you kind of overcome the shame of self-pleasure and, and embracing masturbation as part of like a, a learning technique and, and just like a connection to yourself? Yeah. Well, that's kind of an interesting one, Christy, because my experience is a little different than maybe is typical, but I, masturbation is of course frowned upon in a lot of faiths, but in the faith that I grew up in the LDS faith, it is particularly frowned upon. I mean, it is very, um, very strong, strongly taught. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but, um, we are taught from a very young age to avoid masturbation in any setting. And so that one was really challenging for me to figure out, especially because I had been learning about masturbation before I even knew what that word meant. Like when they were teaching me as a teenage girl, not to masturbate, I'm like, I don't know what masturbation is. (laughs) So Yeah. yeah, So that one was actually a long one for me. And it wasn't a part of my personal sexual journey until after I was married. Mm. And, and part of that is because it took me a long time to decide what I believed about masturbation. That was one that was particularly challenging for me to kind of deconstruct. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've come to a place where I now believe that sexual feelings, the primary purpose of sexual arousal and orgasm Mm -hmm. is to bond, Mm. to bond us to another person. I do still believe that, that it's intended to be a relational experience. However, in order for that to happen, Mm -hmm. we have to understand our own bodies and how we experience pleasure. There are, of course, millions and millions, probably billions of women who are really unhappy in their Mm -hmm. sexual relationships because they don't know how their body experiences pleasure. Mm -hmm. They're not comfortable with their own sexuality. And Mm -hmm. so for me, though it took a long time, I've come to this place of belief that masturbation can be 
problematic, I think, in some settings, if it is being used to replace what Mm -hmm. could be a bonding and emotionally connecting experience with another person. Yeah. Um, if there's this attitude of, which sometimes is a little funny specifically on social media, but th- if there's this attitude of like, gosh, I never need a partner ever because I can do this all on my own. And yeah. the truth is we can experience the feelings on our own, right. but the connection that can exist with sex mm-hmm. is a really beautiful part of it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that masturbation does absolutely have a place when our intention is to understand ourselves, Mm -hmm. to explore our own feelings in an attempt to connect with another person. Yeah. So I don't know exactly how I got there, to be honest, which was your original question, because it was such a long process. And I was graduated from my master's degree Mm -hmm. where I was studying healthy sexual relationships the whole time before Mm -hmm. I really figured out what I believe about masturbation. So that was a tricky one for me to work through. And still, when I talk about it with people who um, are very conservative Christians Mm -hmm. or who participate in my particular faith, it's still like, (gasps) you know, people get really uncomfortable with the topic, but I think that it serves a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you have an opportunity to create what, you know, what I would consider like, like ritual and practice and ceremony with yourself, right? Like to, to prepare yourself to be in a space where you can relax and give yourself permission to receive pleasure. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes when we've been boggled down with this idea of like the, the evil and the sin, it it feels like, like the, the shouldn't is so loud that, even if you're in a happy marriage, like the ability to really drop into that space is so hard to like, okay, I'm going to relax and like allow my body to receive this. So researchers actually call that good girl syndrome, which it's Mm -hmm. not just for girls, obviously it's not just for women, but, but it's that experience is studied because it's so Mm -hmm. prevalent among people who grew up hearing the no, 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 don't do it. Don't Mm -hmm. do it. Wait until marriage. And they and even when they're in a marital mm-hmm. relationship, they still feel like it's evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the things stick with you. But, you know, I, I absolutely agree. I don't think uh, masturbation or, you know, any – I mean, we have so many numbing tools. And and I think mm-hmm. anything that can help you tune into yourself can also be done in excess to the point where you're, yeah. you're checked out. And, yeah, everything um, is like that. Yeah. So, yeah, so it is definitely something to be mindful of that, you know – it doesn't just become this this automatic thing, like push the button, get the orgasm, push the button, right. get the orgasm. That, yeah, that this is- And that you that's know. not the only purpose. Right, right. Because, yeah, th- then it becomes too goal-orientated, I think, even in connection with somebody else. Um, mm-hmm. And you're missing the opportunity to really- discover like have this have this relationship with yourself that that is like I am a sexual being and I feel like good in that I feel the sacredness mm-hmm. of that yeah and I think one thing that I would like to add if that's okay yeah. Christy is I think that yeah. a lot of times when we're ha- when we're participating or when we have participated as teenagers in these purity talks oh, right. when we're younger pornography and masturbation seem to always be coupled together mm-hmm. um 
and they don't, they don't yeah. belong together. They yeah. sometimes occur together, mm-hmm. but they are not the same thing and should yeah. be treated differently. And, and of course, everyone has different opinions about what is appropriate and what is not in regards to pornography mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. But if you are someone who doesn't want to engage with pornography, mm-hmm. that's okay. That doesn't yeah. mean that masturbation is completely out the window mm-hmm. too, because, because they're separate. Masturbation doesn't have to exist only in a space where pornography is also there. It yeah. can be just a personal exploration mm-hmm. and trying to understand yourself without viewing other people in sexual acts. Absolutely. I I love that you said that because, yeah, I think that is a really important distinction Um, because oftentimes if pornography is involved, there is this separation between you and yourself. You're you're kind Mm -hmm. of, again, like, you know, I I think everything's a tool and and it's about learning how to use the right tools for you. But um, but yeah, you know, I think you can masturbate without toys like you can. just really make it this, this time to get to know yourself. Like, you know, I often encourage people like start by massaging your hands and your feet and Mm -hmm. like in places that are not inherently, um, sexual, you know, and, and just Mm -hmm. begin to like be aware of your body and what you notice about what type of touch hard or slow or fat, whatever that is. Like, Mm -hmm. um, there's so many subtleties that we can get to and you might discover other erogenous zones of your body that you didn't think of. Like the genitals are like one of many, you know, parts of our body that we have. So yeah. So um, yeah, I think, you know, even mutual masturbation between couples can be a really good way. Mm -hmm. Like you and your spouse can get together and masturbate in the same room at the Mm -hmm. same time as a way to both explore your own bodies, but then also like learn to teach each other what is pleasurable to you as well. So it can be anything that you want it to be, Mm -hmm. you can, you can engage in masturbation in whatever space and context feels Mm -hmm. like it aligns with your values and Mm -hmm. your goals for your sexuality. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's such a wonderful way to put that. Um, we had mentioned earlier, you were saying, you know, this idea of, of being in your sexuality and that doesn't mean having sex. Um, and something that I saw recently, uh, posted, um, was like, you can be attracted to somebody and not act upon it, you know? And I'm like, this is an interesting idea of, of, um, what my husband and often, uh, often refer to as the simmer of like, just being in the energy, but like, that doesn't mean you're, you're actually going like for the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because sometimes that's just like a fun place to be in, to just be like, Oh wow. Oh, I'm aware. You know, it's just like, sometimes like I look at chocolate cake and I think like, oh, that looks good, but I don't actually eat it because I know it isn't really what I want and isn't really going to feel good, (laughs) but but I can be like, oh, that's yummy. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And we don't need to be afraid Mm -hmm. of, of our sexuality, specifically attraction to other people. Mm -hmm. I think that we're, we're so used to thinking like, Oh, turn it off, turn it off because I'm not going to have sex. But arousal is a a biological response to a stimulus. It's, it's very normal. And it just means that your body is functioning correctly and you can choose to turn your thoughts. However you want, you can choose to take Mm -hmm. that arousal, you know, whichever way you feel comfortable with, but we definitely don't need to be afraid of it or think that the arousal itself is wrong because it's not, it's a biological response to a stimulus. 
right? You don't judge yourself for sneezing, you know? No, like, that is such a good comparison. <laughs> right. I had a, a client recently, um, this couple and they were doing breath work and, and one partner gets very nervous when they're doing sensitive stuff. Uh, and so he started laughing and she's like, he can't laugh. And I'm like, if there was a loud noise right now, you would turn around and look like this is what his nervous system is doing. The whole reason y'all are here is because you have time, a hard time being in your body and feeling your feelings. I'm not about to create some arbitrary rule of he I, can't laugh. Like, you can't you know, feel your feelings. The, in this yeah. Case. It's like now <laughs> the practice for you is to not take this personally and step back and see that it's not about you and come back to your body and not worry what other people are doing. Like, it's not let that. me control other I love things. That. That's fabulous. Yeah, because we do need to just like witness it and be like, oh, okay. You know, and a big practice for me was witnessing, oh, am I attracted to this person out of trauma or out of like actual attraction? Because I found like sometimes when I was like, oh, that fiery, crazy, wild, like, and I'm like, no, that's actually the toxic attraction mm -hmm. versus sometimes I'd be around someone and be like, I mean, this seems boring, but also lovely at the same time. Yes. And I'm just like, oh yeah, that's the part of my brain that's used to chaos that mm -hmm. thinks this is weird. Yes. <laughs> We're going to yes. like resort this out because I want to yes. have deeper, you know, healthier connections. So I yeah. I love yeah. that. I love that idea of using those opportunities when we experience arousal to learn about ourselves, mm -hmm. to try and understand ourselves and to work through, is this a good thing for me? Is that person the kind of person that I want to pursue or that I want to be attracted to? Oh, that's great. I love it. Yeah. yeah refining. So we're going to chop back up in just a moment. We're getting ready to take a break, but I want you to uh, definitely follow Carly on Instagram. Her Instagram is phenomenal. It is Carly Palmer Webb. That's C-A-R-L-I-E. P-A-L-M-E-R-W-E-B-B. -B, and that's on Instagram. And we will be back in just a moment with Carly Wed Palmer, the Christian sex educator. I'm Christiane Bella, and we are getting unbuckled. Think about how much sound you hear all the time. Noise, music, your own heartbeat. What is it made of? How does it work? How does it affect you? The universe of music takes you into the particles of life and the beat of living. It is an interactive online masterclass of music and science taught by the internationally renowned musician and scholar, Dr. Marcin Bella. Visit theuniverseofmusic.com. That's theuniverseofmusic.com. Are you tired of having the same fight over and over again? Is it hard to remember a time when you felt close to each other? Before you call it quits, do you want to do something to rebuild that spark of intimacy? Of course you do. Ignite the passion like never before with Intimacy Architecture. Text 626-310-5159 to set up your relationship consultation. Again, text 626-310-5159. You are listening to Unbuckled with Christy Ann Bella. Reach out to Christy Ann with any questions or comments at intimacyarchitect at gmail.com. That's intimacyarchitect at gmail.com. Christy Ann welcomes your emails. Now, back to the show. Hello, I am Christiane Bella, your Intimacy Architect, and we are unbuckling today uh, all the wonderful things about our spirituality, our sexuality, getting to know ourselves. And with me today is Carly Palmer Webb. She is the Christian sex educator. Welcome back, Carly. Thank you so much. 
<laughs> so we were talking before the break about um, the difference between, you know, actively engaging in sex and just being aware of your sexuality and your connection to your sexuality. And we had mentioned um, before the break, we were ch- chatting about masturbation and uh, doing partners. And that it was a huge thing for me because I um, navigating through my sexual abuse trauma, there was like a period where I was like, I do not want to have penetrative sex. Like I'm just like, my body is figuring things out. So that's off the table. So now what are we going to do? <laughs> Cause I, I, you know, I love my husband. I want to like enjoy our time together. And that was something that was really helpful to both of us to be able to like be in that shared space to, to create intimacy. And I think that's such an important thing. Um, in, in all couple situations, you know, is that, or any sexual situation, just because you're aroused doesn't mean we instantly need to go to like, check the box, penis and vagina, penetrative sex. Like there's so much you can do. And I think that, um, also plays into like before marriage, right? Like you can be learning and getting, you know, aware. Um, and so you actually have a program, the honeymoon course, which I love that helps people prepare. Um, cause one of the reasons I, I was really struck was, one of the posts you had made was like, you know, it's like, if you choose to wait till marriage, that's fine. But like, still educate yourself, like yeah. still have conversation. Don't like, don't let your wedding night be the first night you're going to like talk about this. And I was like, yeah. hello. Yes. Thank you. Like, <laughs> yes. yeah. Cause I mean, you know, no matter, no matter what you learn before your mm-hmm. wedding, if you wait until marriage to have sex, your wedding night sex, if you're able to actually <laughs> have it is not going to be great no matter what you learn. But if you learn nothing or very little, it will be terrible. (laughs) It can be so much better. And not only that, but you, you can progress so much more quickly after your Mm -hmm. wedding as a couple, if you have a really solid foundation of understanding your own body, understanding your partner's body, understanding sexual functioning and sexual anatomy. And there's so many things you can learn while still waiting to have sex until marriage, if that's what you're choosing to do. Yeah. I love that. I think that's so important because, you know, to me, it's all about education. Education is empowering. When you feel empowered, you're going to make really healthy choices. You're going to have discernment. You're not doing things at a default. You're really present. You'll have great boundaries when you feel educated and empowered. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even though my life choices um, tend to sway to a, a very open scale. I think that like, if these are your choices, like that's great, but still be as empowered as you can possibly be in that choice. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Which is why I created the honeymoon course. It's specifically for couples who at least one of them has little to no experience with Mm -hmm. sex. So, so this is, um, kind of the basics and not, not so basic that you think that you already know it all. You don't, (laughs) if you have no sexual experience or very little sexual experience, there will still be a lot to learn in this course, but I wanted there to be a safe place for couples to learn if they wanted to, where they could still feel comfortable knowing I'm Christian too. We we hold a lot of the same values close, but one of my values is education and empowerment. And, and so I created the honeymoon course specifically for those couples who have very little experience and haven't been thoroughly educated. 
Yeah, I love that. I love it because it gets into God's purpose for sex, which is something we touched mm-hmm. on in the beginning. Is like you know these are divine bodies created to to connect to bond, um, yes. like on a science level. I mean, we literally do like you hug someone, you oxytocin, serotonin, yes. like chemicals that are vital to our brain that we need. You know, we are like pack tribe creatures. Like we're meant mm-hmm. to be together, to be connected. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So, you know, it's like you're to be spiritually aware and and have that permission again to give yourself pleasure to see to see this. Um, And then it has like an adult's uh, like, you know, sex ed for adults kind of thing. Like you're saying, it's, you know, beyond just the basics. And and I love that Um, because, yeah, the ability to talk about sex. This is something that is like so vital. I see, you know, the things that break down and the couples that show up is like they stop talking they weren't really talking about sex to begin with, but then they pretty much stopped talking altogether and they stopped having sex. It's like yeah. domino effect. Yeah, <laughs> so. totally. And for people who have grown up not talking about it right. in homes where sex was really taboo and hush hush, then they get married and they think that they'll be able to talk about it. They can't, they don't, they don't know how they feel uncomfortable with the words. They feel like they shouldn't be talking about it now, even mm-hmm. though they absolutely should be. And so (laughs) this makes some couples a little uncomfortable, but in a good way, but in the honeymoon course, after every single lesson, we have a couple check-in. So there's a couple of discussion questions that the couple has to talk about before they move on to the next lesson so that they have to start practicing having these discussions and they can be, it can be a discussion that you feel is appropriate for the stage of life that you're in, but you absolutely need to be comfortable talking about sex before you enter into a sexual relationship. Yes. Yes. This is something I, you know, there's a lot of great acronyms out there. Uh, stars is one of them. It kind of goes through like how to have conversations about sex. Um, fries is another one. It's like, that one's very like consent orientated, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think, you know, just like it, to have a conversation, first off, are your brain is your biggest erogenous zone. So like these don't have to be boring conversations. Like these can actually be conversations that help you get creative and, and spark interest. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm an advocate for like, if you can't talk about it, I don't think you're ready to like do yeah. it yet. Like I absolutely like, agree. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely agree. And I know that there are some married people that are listening that are like, oh shoot, I shouldn't be having sex because I can't talk about it. But the truth is you should just be practicing talking about it. (laughs) And you will have better sex if you start talking about it. So much better. So much better. If you are uncomfortable talking about sex, but you're currently having it, there is so much untapped sexual potential for you. Mm -hmm. Like sex can be so much better than it currently is when you learn to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, so, and you actually have a 20 question guide on, so if you hop on your IG in the link tree, you do it's free 99. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a good starting point. Like you can, and I have one for, for engaged couples who are waiting to have Mm -hmm. sex and for married couples who are currently having sex or at least trying to. Right. Yeah, I love uh, resources are so, so helpful. Um, so another thing that I loved in, in following you that um, really struck me as, as very uh, heartwarming was you had a post about um, kind of calling out, I think, to some degree, maybe um, the, the Christian community, religious communities for the way there was a sort of like all or nothing deal with LGBTQ communities and how, you know, um, 
to just kind of come back to this idea of, of, of love and, and what Jesus really, you know, was talking about when he talked about like brotherly love, I'd love for you to share some more of your insights on that. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think that as a larger Christian community, we have done a lot of damage to the LGBTQ plus community. And I don't say that um, to demonize the Christian community because I'm part of that community, but I do think it's important for us to recognize that the things that we teach in our churches and in our homes and the way that we talk about sexuality, specifically in regards to LGBTQ issues, has hurt a lot of people and led to a lot of broken relationships that didn't need to be broken, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Us recognizing that is really important. And also recognizing that our role as Christians is not to play the role of savior. Mm -hmm. We have a savior. We believe in him and we are not him. Mm -hmm. So we are not supposed to do everything that he did. We're supposed to do what he asked us to do, which is to love each other, to love our neighbor. It is mm -hmm. second only to loving God. Those two things are the most important things that Christ ever taught us. And I know that a lot of people feel like they are loving the LGBTQ plus community by teaching them that they are living in a way that that person believes is sinful. Mm -hmm. um, and they're like, well, Christ called out sin. And if they believe that that is sin, I can see how they might think that that's loving, but it just, in my opinion, it, it is not. Yeah. It absolutely is not because that approach is causing so much harm. Yeah. It's leading to a lot of people who hate this part of themselves. That's such an integral part of who they are. It's leading to broken families and so much guilt and shame surrounding their sexuality that isn't helping them. It isn't helping them. And so I think that we need to step back and realize that regardless of what our beliefs are, it is not our job to tell other people how we think they should live. Mm -hmm. It is not our job to, to express our beliefs in a way that causes damage. Mm -hmm. We just shouldn't. Now, my personal beliefs about sexuality and the LGBTQ plus community are different because I personally believe that love is holy mm -hmm. and that we should view it as that. And I don't think any of us really understand the gospel of Jesus Christ as much as we think we do. Like, I don't know if you guys <laughs> realize this, but Jesus didn't talk about, for example, homosexuality <laughs> during yeah. like the sermon on the Mount. It's just not something that is central to his gospel. We don't really understand it well. So I think the safest and most Christian thing to do at this point is to love and to embrace and to help 
everyone, regardless of gender identity, sexual orientation, to feel like they're welcome here and that they're not going to be constantly judged and constantly mm -hmm. criticized for this part of themselves if they come into our spaces. They should feel more welcome in the Christian community than anywhere else in the world yeah. if we're really living up to the Christian mm -hmm. ideal of loving each other, caring for each other, which is what we've been asked to do. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Um, yeah. You know, I feel like, like love, love is like the, you know, anything that isn't love is fear. And, and if we're acting out of fear, we're, we're, we're coming from this place of, of separation and blame and judgment and, and, that is not helping to unify us. That's not bringing harmony or peace or, or mm -hmm. brotherly, you know? Um, so yeah. So the ability to return to love and think like, you know, can I see this person, you know, as, as, as a child of God, as a creation of love, as a being of love, um, and understand that, that love is what, you know, ultimately unites us, like our ability to, to care that, you know, whatever somebody else has going on, um, is equal and, and valid yeah. and real for them. Yes, yeah. Definitely. And I think one fundamental piece of love is loving for someone for all that they are. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't love, <laughs> I don't love every single part of my husband, of right. course, but I love him as a whole whole being. Yeah. I guess I should say, I don't like everything about my husband, right, right. but I love him as a whole being. Yeah. And, and God loves us as a whole being. He doesn't only love us when we are doing what he tells us to do. Thank right. heavens, because we are all pretty bad at that as hard mm -hmm. as we try, but we have to be willing to love people for all that they are. Mm -hmm. And, and if you find yourself engaging in a way with anyone, not just in the LGBTQ plus community, but if you find yourself engaging with someone in a way that does not love all of them, that doesn't look like embracing their whole self, then that's maybe a good indication that it's not love. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And of course we all have a long way to go in this regard. And obviously I don't have all the answers, but I think we could do a better job at accepting and embracing people as they are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen firsthand, I, I have uh, quite a few clients that have come through trying to reconcile now, you know, uh, feelings of, of being homosexual or um, somewhere on the sexuality spectrum and just, yeah, feeling like they're betraying their, their family and themselves and their community and, and what's going to happen. But like, they're just like tortured, you know, like people who are like, uh, you know, suicidal ideology, all of these like really dangerous, um, self-harming, um, because yeah, that, that feeling of, of like such deep shame and guilt and in, in, in our conflict. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I don't believe like we kind of talked about a bit in the beginning that, that God created anything evil, you know? So it's like, so if this feeling is happening, that is like a byproduct of, of a separation from God and God's love. And how do we, um, yeah. How do we reconcile that? Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad that there are people like you who are helping those individuals to work through some of that 
trauma so that they can live wholeheartedly and happily as they deserve to. Yeah. Yeah. We all deserve to. Absolutely. You know, and I think, yeah, having permission to be, to be your most authentic self and know that you are loved. Like, you know, I feel like if, if anyone, the one thing I would love everyone to walk away from when they interact with me is, is knowing that they are worthy of love as they are, they, you know, yeah. What a beautiful way to love. Yeah. I meant to say beautiful way to live, but it kind of turned into it's, a beautiful way to love, which it's both. Both. It is. <laughs> it's both. I love it. Um, so tell me about uh, the idea of sexual agency. What does that mean? Sexual agency is the idea that every person at every age gets to choose how, when, and with whom they express their sexuality. So it's essentially the the principle behind consent. Consent is necessary because everyone has sexual agency. Children have sexual agency. Elderly people have sexual agency and, and everyone in between. So we all get to choose how and when we engage. Yes. Ugh. I feel like that should be everywhere. I know. <laughs> Giant billboards, like handed out to people. <laughs> yes. Because um, it's vital. And I think so often, I mean, you know, we've, we've seen it blow up in the last few years with, with the Me Too movement and all these things. Yeah, this idea of how much lack we had in that, in the respect mm-hmm. of people's sexual agency. Yeah. So definitely. Um, and I think if I can speak, briefly about how this may impact the Christian community specifically. Yeah. Yeah. There are some unhealthy cultural patterns in Christianity Mm -hmm. that go against this. For example, the idea of duty sex, that you should never say no to your spouse. That is incredibly problematic Mm -hmm. and to be frank, abusive. Yeah. Um, But also we as Christians, we need to be better at accepting our own sexual agency and realizing that we can say no at any point Mm -hmm. in our lives to anyone, but we also need to accept and respect the sexual agency of other people. Mm -hmm. If you are, for example, waiting until marriage to have sex, because that aligns with your beliefs Mm -hmm. and you want people to respect that, Mm-hmm. then you also need to offer respect to people who are very sexually active outside mm-hmm. of marriage because that's also their choice. So yeah. it, it, it requires respect of every person mm-hmm. and puts the responsibility on each individual to choose how they express their sexuality and how they live, which is where that responsibility should be. Yes. Yeah, I think that's so important to say because it's it's something I've seen in your post as well. It's like just because it is your honeymoon does not mean you have to have sex. Like you are not required to have sex <laughs> on your wedding night. You know, no. if if that is not a yes for you, um, you can come up with other things. You know that you want to do. Or but yeah, at any given time, I think that yeah, that's such an important thing to to mm-hmm. like. You know, even in the middle of having. And having sex, you could change your mind and say, no, and I, I need to stop. Um, and, Absolutely. You know, and that is like, it's so important that we respect that and honor that. Yeah. Yes. No is always an option. Yes. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about redefining modesty. Ooh. So <laughs> this is a good one. Um, because I, 
I definitely went through a stage where I like, I, I wanted to deliberately push that button. I was like, how far can I go? Mm-hmm. You know? And, um, and so what was your experience with this idea, you know, of modesty and, and, and what it means to kind of redefine that for yourself? Mm-hmm. Well, in my home and at church growing up, modesty was taught to be the clothes that you wear. Mm-hmm. And we had very specific rules for what was appropriate. I mean, like specific parts of your body that always had to be covered. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I believe there are specific parts of your body body that should always be covered in public, like your genitals. It's literally against the law to expose them in public, but, but obviously a lot more dramatic than that, you know, growing up. And so I just always thought that modesty was the clothes that you wore and more specifically the clothes that women wear Mm -hmm. because modesty wasn't taught to my brother like it was Mm -hmm. to me and my sisters. And it wasn't taught to the teenage boys at church like it was taught to the teenage girls. So I grew up believing that as a woman, I had a more sexual body somehow, not, Mm -hmm. not sexual. That's not the right word, a more sexually arousing body to other people. (laughs) Like I recognized that my body was being sexualized, but I didn't see that as a problem. I thought that's just the way it was. Like if I didn't cover my cleavage, if I didn't cover my shoulders, if I didn't cover my legs, Mm -hmm. then I was causing men to sin because Mm -hmm. then I thought sexual arousal was sin. Mm -hmm. So, so that's how I grew up believing Mm -hmm. um, and thinking about modesty. And as we mature, our beliefs mature as well. And I just realized that, that my beliefs about modesty were harmful in some ways. And so I started to kind of figure out where they came from, what specific things may have been harmful and over time was able to come to this place where I realized that modesty is not clothing, Mm. that modesty is so much more about not even necessarily humility, because I think we also kind of misunderstand humility to mean like, like we're never our full self, you know, we're never big and excited. But I think modesty is really just about being someone who values Mm -hmm. the goodness of themselves and the goodness of others. Someone who wants other people to feel as important Mm -hmm. as they feel. So it's not shying away from who you are. And it's also Mm -hmm. not putting yourself on a pedestal and trying to be the center of attention in every setting, though sometimes we will be the center of attention and that's not a bad thing. And that's what I believe modesty is. It's about seeing the goodness in other people and valuing them as much as you value yourself and valuing yourself as much as you value them. And when you think about it that way, clothing becomes a way that you can, um, practice modesty, I guess you're not trying to always draw all the attention to yourself, but you're also trying to value and express yourself. And modesty is only connected to clothing in that way. But for the most part, 
viewing modesty as the clothing that women wear is is not only totally not what modesty is about, I think, but also it's very limiting. It keeps us from developing really important characteristics that I think are, are meant to be a part of the Christian journey. Yeah. Right. Being out there, being willing to, to share yourself wholeheartedly and, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it, it is a delicate balance. And, and, and so, yeah, how I kind of alluded to in the beginning, like trying to push that to be like, I will be seen, mm-hmm. you know, is, is much different than the, the like harmonious place I landed in of like, I show up and like some things are noticed and, and that's fine. And sometimes they're not, and that's fine mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Um, but at any given time, I'm, I'm being in my most authentic space. If, if I, I woke up that. and I'm like, I really want to put on this dress, then I'm wearing that dress. Cause that dress brings me joy and I'm following mm-hmm. my <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. That's wonderful. Yeah. But I love how you put it of, of, you know, recognizing, yeah, that the other person is you and they have a right to be there and they, you know, and, and just giving that, um, compassion across the board of, of we all, there's space for all of us to, uh, to stand in the spotlight and, and to be in the audience and applauding. And, and, and we all have a a time in each of those rotations. Yes. I love that. That's so true. You say things so well. (laughs) Thank you. Well, it has been absolutely amazing to talk to you. I, uh, again, I absolutely love your Instagram. It's a pleasure to follow you. I'm glad I got to uh, interview you and have a space for you to share these wonderful insights. Thank you so much, Christy. You're wonderful. And it's been a pleasure for me as well. So thank you for having me. Yay. So you can find Carly. It is on uh, Instagram at Carly Palmer Webb. That's C-A-R-L-I-E. P-A-L-M-E-R-W-E-B-B, Carly Palmer Webb on Instagram. Highly recommend you follow her. She is the Christian sex educator. And I am Christiane Bella, your intimacy architect. We have unbuckled some beautiful stuff about sex and spirituality today. Thank you for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Unbuckled. You can join Christy Ann Bella for another program with amazing guests, stories, and advice every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to check out our new show coming soon.